Hi everyone and welcome to episode 12 of Epilogues and Epiphanies, a show where we'll explore questions about life, the universe, and being human through the lens of TV and film. In today's episode, we'll be discussing Spider-Man No Way Home with special guest Rick Lee James. I know Rick from back in my youth group days, but he's a podcaster, singer, songwriter, pastor, chaplain, runner, uh, and all around just genuinely great human being, and we get into some great conversations about grief, loving your enemies, as well as just why we as a society love telling stories with Spider-Man in them. So without further ado, let's go. Thanks everyone for joining us again today. I'm talking to Rick Lee James. All right. Thank you for having me on today. My name is, as we've already said, Rick Lee James, and I am a ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. I have been doing that for many years. My first love is music. I am a singer and songwriter, and and I've had many songs published over the years, and I I love being able to share music, especially for the church. So I do a lot of worship music and songs, but I also do a podcast, and my I have two podcasts, actually. One is called Voices in My Head, the Rick Lee James podcast, where I've had over 500 episodes and guests on that show. And we I always just love having good conversations with people about a multiple, uh, multiple topics. Oftentimes, it's about things like you talk about on this show, whether it be movies, but sometimes I'll have actors on. Sometimes I will have speakers and authors, and we'll talk about everything from music to movies to books. And just the reason I call it voices in my head is because it's whatever's speaking to me at the time and conversations I want to have. The other one is my Mr. Rogers podcast called Welcome to the Neighborhood. And I don't do that one very often. It is when an occasion arises, but that is an outgrowth of this Twitter account that I run where I just quote Mr. Rogers every day. I love it so much. And and, uh, I enjoy doing it too. And it's just grown and grown and grown. And it apparently is the largest Mr. Rogers presence online at this point. So, uh, so whenever, yeah, and it's nice. So whenever there's a Fred Rogers related media thing that's coming out, whether it be a new album, movie, or something like that. Usually, whoever it is, Sony Pictures, or whoever reaches out, and so we do podcast about whatever's going on with That's that. So cool! So, You're such a big deal. And then, <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm such a big deal. No, not really. No, I just, I've just been very blessed to meet a lot of wonderful, kind people of influence over the years. And then the other thing that I'm doing currently is I felt like the Lord was really drawing me in to do something new, ministry wise, and I couldn't understand why at the time, and I still wonder some days, yeah. but I really felt called to chaplaincy and healthcare chaplaincy specifically. So I started working on my master's and then was accepted into a residency program last August, where I am now working full-time in a hospital until the end of this coming August. And then I'll be returning to finish my master's program at Loyola University in their pastoral program there. So I'm a very busy person with a lot of things going on. You are. You are. But yeah, that's a little bit me. Yeah, and you always like, whenever I see your like early morning runs, I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) And that was a little bit why I was nervous to ask. I was like, I know you're a very busy person because I see you doing so many things. And I was like, so if you have time, if you want to talk, but I'm so glad you said yes. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. And um, I, if you don't mind, I, the most important thing about me, I would say, I just need to mention also, I am a husband and a father and that's w- wonderful. Um, just, I love being a husband and a father. So I, I should add that on there or I'll kick myself yes, later. <laughs> yes. No, you've got such a cute, fun family. 
And then I always just to connect the dots for people like, why is she talking to this mm-hmm. person? How do we know each other if you want to? Yeah. Back years ago, whenever I was youth pastoring, and this has been a long time ago because I, I did it for about six years of my ministry, but I have been at the church where I'm at for 22 years now. So that was the first six, so the first six years of my 22 years, I was a youth pastor yeah. in the church yeah. of the Nazarene. And you were a teenager at the time. I was a yeah. teenager, probably exactly for those six exactly. years. Exactly. <laughs> and so I got to know you and I got to know your brother whenever we would have district events. Yeah. And I just always thought the world of your family, even, uh, even stayed at your house. I don't know if you remember that. You but, did. Yeah. I remember that because we had a, it was like a, re- like a lock-in mm-hmm. at our church or something and you stayed at our house and you came because yep. I remember you telling me so you like made a joke about yeah I got my shoes all muddy and then I went and jumped on your bed or yeah. something <laughs> I don't know why but I was just like okay ma'am whatever like, yeah I was joking around. I was probably like 15 and I was like I don't know what to make of this because I okay I have a so. weird sense of humor yeah but yeah yeah, your parents are wonderful and they just yeah, always were so great. kind. So, yeah, so we go back a ways. Yeah. But to get to talk to you now, all these years later, we're mostly Twitter buddies at this point, but it's yeah, so yeah. good to see you. But it's fun. Yeah. It's so fun. Though there's, you know, how it is over the years, there's not always a lot of people that you like keep tabs on mm-hmm. or feel maybe like you have much in common with or that kind of thing. Especially me going from what was probably what 16 to 32. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot. Wa- that's a ways. Yeah. That's a lot of life. But to feel like that there's that shared history and stuff that we can still talk about and share about I think is just really cool and I was super excited that you said yes I remember from back in those youth group days you being very into Spider-Man there were (laughs) I'm assuming probably Spider-Man t-shirts but I just remember we had conversations about Spider-Man which at the time would have been Toby McGuire Toby Toby So the movie in particular, obviously, I I think I want to talk a little bit about like Spider-Man overall, Mm -hmm. because that's an interesting thought to me. My my show is like uh, trying to look at these big concepts and what can we learn about like ourselves, but like us as a people Mm -hmm. as well, like through this idea of story. And I think for me, what's interesting is we have told the Spider-Man story so many times Mm -hmm. in so many ways that I feel like it's worth like asking the question, like, why that story? And I'm curious if you have any thoughts as to why you think we haven't told Thor really near as mm-hmm. much. We haven't like it's not it's not just that we retell superhero stories because we do. But Spider-Man is one that has been told in many forms, yeah. many ways, so much so that we had three actors playing him in this <laughs> last movie that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Why do you think we love this story or why do we keep telling it? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. And I guess I can only tell you why I like him particularly, yeah. but I think it's probably a universal thing. There's a lot of people say it's because he's so relatable, which honestly, I think that is true because the character of Spider-Man, like all of the characters in the Marvel Universe, they happen in the real world. Like it's in in New York City mm-hmm. instead of Gotham mm-hmm. City or somewhere like in DC right. or right. Metropolis. It's got real world places and you can actually go to the neighborhoods that things take place in. Mm-hmm. While there's not real superheroes in the world, I think it's a point of pride for some people. I've even heard people say that are grew up in that part of the world that they're like, oh yeah, yeah this is the street where Spider-Man is from, things like that. So 
there is a little bit of, cool. of that relatability. And he's he's got the same struggles that a lot of us do with money in school. And especially when he was a teenager, <laughs> there was bullying that happened yeah. and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So there is a relatability. But one thing that I have noticed, especially since these days I'm I grew up in, in much more of a monocultural, like mostly white type type background in my life. These days, I'm spending a lot more time in, in multicultural places. And oftentimes, I'm the minority. And I find that when I talk to people about superheroes, because I'm just a big kid at heart, oftentimes they will say Spider-Man was like their favorite one, um, partially because Spider-Man wears this mask and he can be anybody underneath there. Yeah, so, that's true. So that's true. there is a sense like red and yellow, black and white, it doesn't matter who you are. And there's even a spider ham, which is a pig, which we know about from right. the comics. Of <laughs> even the pigs can be spider <laughs> Even animals can actually be Spider-Man. So there is that. But... On some level, I don't think that I like Spider-Man for that reason. Not because he's not relatable. He think, I think he is. But I think superheroes, I look at them more as aspirational than, re, than relatable. Because, like to me, yeah. the reason I like superheroes is not because like I look at them and I go, boy, aren't they like me? I look at them right, and, yeah. and, and I'll think, oh my goodness, look at their, there's something extraordinary about them that I hope maybe I could live up to in some ways. Right, maybe, yeah, maybe I could yeah. be heroic for somebody in some way. And I think with the character of Spider-Man, that's that catchphrase that appears in the very first appearance we ever have of Spider-Man in Amazing Fantasy 15, where we have, with great power must also come great responsibility. Mm-hmm. So he's always been a character that examines the choices that we make and that every action that we take has a reaction to it. And there are always consequences, mm-hmm. good or bad. And really his yeah. whole character is based on he's trying to make things right. Because his Mm -hmm. error in the very beginning, he didn't stop the thief that killed his uncle and everything changed for him in his life. And so he's almost been a character that has been driven by the fact that he made a mistake that he never wants anybody to remake Mm -hmm. again. And so he's trying. So there's just a lot of complexity behind the character for sure and deals with loss and tragedy. No, I think as you were talking, I was thinking, I was like having a you were talking about aspirational and a lot of the theme in this movie, we have the, the other Spider-Men mm-hmm. come in and they're a little bit farther along in their journey. They've experienced things. They've told their first act of the story, if you will. And they're like, they're like worried about this Peter and they're trying to, again, prevent him from making the mistakes they've made mm-hmm. even after that first mistake yeah and i felt like the the mistake or the journey they were trying to save him from was like this this like bitterness yeah which i i feel like is the is a struggle for i feel like today especially with everything being everything so polarizing and it just feels like it can be really exhausting and it's easy to just want to like numb and not care and just be like I can't anymore because it's just too much that I think that like resigned bitterness was what he's trying to say. It's not my, and they're saying, whoa, no, we can't go down that road. Trust me. It's not where you want to go. And so I think he's aspirational in that. I think superheroes choose hope and they choose to keep Trump. And I think that's one thing you talk about aspirational. I think that's to me, the, 
again, back to why I have these conversations is what can we learn from these characters, either what they did well or what they didn't do well. And I think what superheroes do well is they keep trying mm-hmm. and they keep trying to put other people first. We like these stories most of the time because we can believe that we can make our world better and we can maybe be better. Mm-hmm. But I really felt like the theme here was as they all intersected, at least of these live action tellings of Spider-Man mm-hmm. were intersecting. It was like... Don't let bad things make you bitter and make you bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, and you're saying some good stuff. I think beyond some of the things we've already talked about too, I don't think all of the movies have gotten Spider-Man quite right. In some ways they have, they get different aspects, but in in the same way that I don't think a lot of the newer comic book writers aren't getting him right either in some ways, because I've been reading Spider-Man comics for years and years. But if you go back to the roots of why I think in some ways there is such a draw to the character, yes, he's the amazing Spider-Man, you love him, and he has these corny dad jokes. I don't know what else to call him because he's yeah. just constantly quipping yeah. and he's he's driving yeah. people insane, but he's covering up his anxieties with this cracking jokes all the way through. Like in, yep. in the comics, yep. it's just joke, and they're terrible jokes like the whole time. And, right. and criminals yeah. are getting mad at him because you stop with the stupid they're jokes. They're like annoyed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But beyond that, there is such trauma and loss that happens in mm-hmm. Spider-Man. That's one reason that the movie we're about to talk about, I really think is so significant and does a course correction for the character in a lot of ways and gets back to how he was created to be. Because one thing we have a hard time dealing with is the fact that suffering is a, a very real part of life and everybody suffers. And the fact that Spider-Man is a character that doesn't get spared from this suffering. Like there is some deep trauma that happens and, and, yeah, sure. and, and we understand why in some ways he's always so jokey and humorous. I think in some ways he's trying to avoid the pain and, yeah. and things yeah. like that. So yeah, keep me up here. Don't let me dip down yeah. here too long. It's scary. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. stay down in that place. And this movie actually makes us go into that as much as you laugh mm-hmm. and have fun in the movie. It really yeah. takes you to some dark places, too. Mm-hmm. I just appreciate it on the level of if we don't acknowledge those things, we're going to really be suffering. And our suffering will yeah. lead to greater yeah. suffering if we can't at least acknowledge yes. that's a part yes. of what life is. So that's a yeah. that's an aspect that from the beginning, the character of Spider-Man has always embraced. Where the other heroes were getting all the celebrity and fame and everybody loved the Fantastic yeah. Four Spider-Man was just always getting dumped on, just constantly. And it wasn't just death of people that he loved, but it was... That darn J. Jameson. <laughs> yeah, J. Jonah Jameson just hated it. He was Fox News of his day, just being a downer. Oh my gosh, he was. I fake so. news, he just all over the place. Yeah, no, what you're saying about Spider-Man's not exempt from this, I think that's why I liked, we talked, my training is in counseling. Mm-hmm. There's a necessity for space for that because like you were saying if you don't deal with it it's not that it just goes away I would always kind of use the analogy with like my my clients I don't know for some reason I always imagine this in like a Monsters Inc kind of way so this is a little weird but you know how they had the simulator and there was like the monsters were trying to walk through the room and there's like just toys everywhere and there's you're trying not to touch anything okay imagine it's a room like that and there's just stuff Mm -hmm. everywhere And it's pitch black and you've got to get to the other side of the room. You can try to like keep muddling through and not have to look at how messy your room is. Or we can maybe try to turn on the light and we can try to look at these things. It's not going to maybe clean the room immediately, 
but you're going to be able to navigate around those things a lot better yeah. if that light is on. You're going to be able to see what's coming up and know those pitfalls a little bit. And and it's it doesn't make it go away even if you deal with it, but it does make you have a better handle on how you choose to show up in the world mm. in spite of it. So Yes, yeah. indeed. Yes. Yeah. And I, they do a great job in this story of, like you said, that being a part of his story. And I... One of the moments that's like my favorite and my least favorite is when his friends finally find him after he loses May. Mm. And they just gave that moment so much space yeah. in this movie in a way that was like a little bit like when I saw it in the theater, I was a little uncomfortable yeah. because I was like, OK, I'm here to see a movie. Let's, yeah. I'm feeling too sad. Let's be done. But that's they gave him such space to fall apart and like breathe with them yeah. a little bit before they were like, OK, and now we're on yeah. to what's next in the story. And I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah. And th there's a lot to talk about in this film. But just thinking about what you just said about sitting in that uncomfortable place. Think about, too, where we have been, not only as a country, but as a worldwide pandemic that happened. And of course, mm -hmm. I still see people every day in the hospital who are there suffering with COVID. And, it's, and, yeah. and, and But to think of the time when this movie came out, especially, I can't remember exactly yeah. the space of it, but I want to say it was at a time it where... The end of 21. Yeah. So we had, we were in the thick of it. And it's an interesting thing. Our country has not done well with facing grief, but to lose over a million mm -hmm. people that had the virus not mm -hmm. been there, we wouldn't have lost. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of turmoil and a lot of suffering and a lot of grief. So I think that adds power to that moment that they, in mm -hmm. a, and what people would probably think of is, oh, it's just a superhero movie. <laughs> yeah. Films are whatever we can, we make of them. And it does depend on the narrative right. they're yeah. telling. I'm not sure yeah. most people even connected. I may not have even until this moment thinking about it. But one reason that was so powerful, a reason that I, even watching it again this time, there were several places that I was crying a little bit. Like I was starting to tear up mm -hmm. at this movie. I'm yeah, like, yeah. And, and I didn't think it would affect me this way. It did the first time I saw it. But then to see it again, it was like, wow. And I don't think we've done a good job at all in, in helping our people grieve through the loss that we've had. And so... When a film can capture that, when it felt like it was so needed to just put some quiet moments in where a person can mm -hmm. face the grief, there's a lot of people watching this movie who had been facing some very significant grief and trauma hit them yeah. in a big way. So, yeah, so yeah there, there's just so much to unpack in all of this. Yeah. So I think, too, like you hit on something there that I thought was interesting. And I know it's different in every tradition, like faith tradition, the, the tradition of like how we structure like funerals mm -hmm. and things like that. And I'm trying to think, I think it was maybe my uncle's funeral and he was Catholic. I, I just felt like there was a lot more space for people to be processing the grief in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and having space for that and the, the idea of this movie kind of being that for an audience I think is really interesting and cool because people don't pause mm -hmm. but we do watch movies to make us feel things that we don't know how to like bring up and get out in a lot of ways so I think that's really interesting this movie mm -hmm. though is that idea of hope and belief that 
things and people can get better mm -hmm. and change. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That, that whole, it's not, it's not my problem. This is just, I want to ship it off. Like, I don't want to deal with it. And then Dr. Strange, I think is the one that says it's their fate. It's who they are. Mm -hmm. You can't change that. Yeah. And then he says, but what if we could? Yeah. <laughs> and, and May is such a, man, she is such a cool character. Mm -hmm. Her, her influence on him, I think, was also really cool. I know it's a deviation from the original. Yeah. With We don't have Uncle Ben, but I think it's really cool the influence that she has on him and to see that dynamic at play a little bit. And her, she calls him on the carpet like, hey, man, nope, you got to be better than mm -hmm. this. Uh, and we all need those people in our lives. And even superheroes need those people in their lives. And she's calling him to hope and to not like just turn a blind eye to someone that needs mm -hmm. you. And if you have the power to help and you can, you, sh you should. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that idea in my notes, I had just like this, I think that's the whole thing. And I think that's why I hate cancel culture is, but what if someone's actually sorry mm -hmm. and we've just decided they're in the trash can? Yeah. What's the point if we don't believe that someone can repent and change? What are we doing y'all? Like that's the whole, that's the whole thing. Like yeah. is the capacity to grow and change and, and to help people do that and to allow people space to do that. And, yeah. and I think that was a big part of this movie was him saying, yeah, these are all crazy, very theatrical <laughs> villains. Yeah. Doc Ock comes in and he is just, his severity was so jarring compared to the current Marvel movies. Yeah. He was so theatrical, but in a way that was like mesmerizing. Yeah. But you, he, he just, he had some demons mm -hmm. and he needed some help. Yeah. And so that was really what it came down to was someone that could help reaching out yeah. to him. And then he helps them in the end. Yeah, yeah. That's it's a unique film in that it's not enough to defeat the bad guys. It's we actually want to redeem them. We want to find mm -hmm. ways to bring them back. And, and I was we had talked about, and I don't want to like take the direction of your show away. You don't want to take it, but should we stop and do a like a plot summary real quick, just so we can yeah, kind of sure. because that way yeah, it might help totally. us when we're having these conversations because there's so much richness and we might just have to pick or choose a few to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like the plot is Spider-Man's kind of coming off of his last adventure and J. Jonah Jameson and Mysterio have blown up his life. Uh -huh. They've outed him. Everyone knows who he is. And, and he's also spun the story that Spider-Man's the bad guy. Mm -hmm. And so now everyone's out to get him. And this takes place pretty recently. So cancel culture and your association with a negative persona is not a is not okay. Yeah. And he and his friend, he's trying to get into college. They're really smart kids and they're just not getting in anywhere. Yeah. And one of the letters at least that they read says something about due to the controversy. So he feels like he's ruined his life, but more importantly, his friend's life. Yeah. So he really doesn't feel deserve it. He goes to his magical friend, Dr. Stephen Strange, and basically says hey, is there anything we can do? And they try to try this spell, but Peter's actually, that's too severe. That would make my life hard. And I'd have to rehab those conversations. Mm -hmm. And he keeps interrupting <laughs> and things go badly. And basically things break a little and there's cracks in the universes and people who know 
Peter Parker Spider-Man of any kind kind of start seeping through the cracks. Mm -hmm. And so there's all these crazy villains that are like out to get Spider-Man, but he's never met them before. And so then he's trying to figure out what that's about. And Aunt May meets Dr. Norman Osborn. Mm -hmm. He is tortured by these. He's in one of his like more stable states. Mm -hmm. He's just feeling the weight of his mental split from all the stuff he's done to himself and and aunt may says this man is lost if they're all like this you have to help them you can't just kick them back and he says it's not my problem and she says yeah okay that's not an okay (laughs) response we're better than that and he decides he's gonna try to help them steven doesn't want him to do that they get into it a little bit through series of events everybody kind of breaks free and then we meet the other Spider-Men. We meet the Tobey Maguire and the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. And they all kind of tag team together, say they're going to heal these guys before they send them back. Mm-hmm. They're going to make them whole. And <laughs> they set out to do that. And then eventually, obviously, along the way, the villains, there's lots of violence. Aunt May passes away at the hands of the Green Goblin. This kind of sets Peter on that path of... I don't want to care anymore. Mm. I just want to burn it all down. And that's where the other guys try to not only support him in his mission, like action wise, but his mission, like emotionally to be like, Hey, no, we can't go down that road. Eventually he does sacrifice himself in the only way they know how to save the day, which is erase Peter Parker and Spider-Man from everyone's memories so he's all alone no one remembers he exists Mm -hmm. and that unfortunately again another sad ending movie (laughs) (laughs) is where we end yeah she I think the line at the end that got me was he asks about the cut on her head and she says it doesn't really hurt anymore Mm -hmm. and I that line was where he decided I'm not gonna yeah I'm not gonna try to reintroduce myself Mm -hmm. I'm gonna like re-injure you and I was just like oh no, but you're all by yourself. <laughs> and I just, so sad for him. But yeah, that was me trying to run through that plot a little bit yeah, for everyone. That's, that was pretty good. But, uh, yeah. I've done it a few times now, so I'm getting yeah. a little better at summing up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, uh, yeah. What? I think I, I'll, I won't say the word because it's non-explicit podcast, but my favorite line might be, let's Scooby-Doo this-ish. Yeah. <laughs> like when he says, I need you and your friends to get on your phones and Scooby-Doo this. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that is perfect. That is yeah. exactly what this feels like right now. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And th- this is going to be just a kind of a nitpicky thing. But for me... The end of this movie corrects a lot for the Spider-Man character that I feel like the, mm. the they are some of my favorite movies, but the, the most frustrating to the last three recent ones that we've had, simply because they're almost trying to make Spider-Man into Iron Man. He's always got these, he's yeah. using Tony Stark's gadgets tech and, and the gadgets. And, yeah. and part of the, mm-hmm. the thing about him always in the comics until very recently where they did that in the comics recently too. And I stopped reading him for a while because it was just like, you've turned him into Tony Stark completely. He's a millionaire Aww. now. And he's, it was just, oh god. but he was always this poor kid. He was brilliant though. And he was creating his own mm-hmm. web flute and he was creating his costume and doing mm-hmm. all that. And, and there was a sense in which like nobody knew who he was. And so you're really back. I'm unclear about this, and maybe they'll clarify it in the next movie. I'm unclear if everybody had to forget that there's a Spider-Man or if they just had to forget that he was Spider-Man and who he was. I wasn't quite clear because he goes out at the end and he is Spider-Man again. 
So they might I, still know Spider-Man exists. Now. Yeah, but that's the way he's always been until very recently in like the Marvel Comics mm-hmm. universe is he's just this hero off by himself. And there's been a number of times like the Fantastic Four kind of invited him in and then it didn't work out because he had he was too hot headed. And uh, there's been times mm-hmm. he's been invited into the Avengers, but he didn't want to give away his secret identity. And then it's just always been like his him by himself. And now he doesn't have mm-hmm. all the tech to rely on anymore. So... I'm interested to see yeah. where the next movie will go because it'll be much more like the every hero and stuff. But. Yeah, no, that's true. And it is it is interesting. Yeah. It doesn't feel like he's just supposed to be a kid. He's supposed to be Spider-Man. Yeah. And he's got like drones and it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Super crazy. The Yeah, they've told this story several different ways. You mentioned this one is maybe deviated a little bit with the Iron Man element. What is your favorite in terms of the live actions? Do you have a favorite? That's Man, that's a good question. I want to say I have like my favorite movies. I think probably the Tobey Maguire one, the second film with Doc Ock, just uh, is it mm-hmm. Spider-Man 2 or I can't, yeah, just it wasn't amazing. It was just Spider-Man 2. But when mm-hmm. that one happened, that one has always been like a real favorite of mine. I just felt like that one was great. I didn't love I didn't love the third one with Venom. There was just yeah. too many villain elements. There were parts of it I like. I yeah. think my favorite, although I really like Tom Holland a lot, he reminds me of Michael J. Fox. But I think personally, my favorite actor, like just the strongest actor that's played him, I think is Andrew Garfield. And I, He's so good. I love, I think, just about everything I've ever seen Andrew Garfield in. And in He's so sincere. Yeah, and I don't even love the movies of Spider-Man that he was in, but he's like my favorite Peter Parker as far as he's really good. Yeah. He was my, I, he might've been my favorite in, in this movie. Me too. Of the Peter Parker's like yeah. he just, he, uh, the moment, obviously I think everyone knows by this point, my show's going to have spoilers. <laughs> so if you haven't seen the movie, don't listen to the episode about it. But the moment when he gets to save MJ yeah. and his face, yes. and the way he played that moment was like, Oh, yeah, he just he conveys so much in such like a subtle, realistic way. Yeah, that like, just you understand him. <laughs> and he like, I think he just he almost like whispers it like he's about to cry. Are you OK? Because he remembers mm-hmm. when Gwen wasn't yeah. when he thought he saved yeah. her and then he didn't. And it was that's yeah. a very emotional part of that movie for sure. And it and is. you think, oh, no, MJ's going to die <laughs> like Gwen did. Yeah. And then there's that redemption. Yeah. He gets. He gets to, it doesn't obviously take away his loss completely, but I'm sure he feels a little bit vindicated in I saved her this time. Yeah. That was such a yeah, I'd cried. I cried well, at the moment. I really did. And he's such a he's such a powerhouse of acting anyway, and he really immerses himself. At, yeah. And and you could yeah. I, there's something about the way that he immerses himself in those roles that's just really powerful. So that was the exact scene mm-hmm. I always think of in this movie is when he catches MJ because yeah. there is he's able to portray so much. I'm I usually get a little yeah. I get a little annoyed when Spider-Man's mask is off so much, but, but I actually but I didn't it mind helpful. it in this. Yeah. Helpful in this yeah. scene, yes, because because sure. the look that he gave was so important. So all it is oh, to say yeah. in that very long answer I gave was I would love it if they would revisit him in, in one of the Spider universes and let him be Spider-Man yeah. again because I think he oh, has a lot gosh. of depth. He was. I feel like yeah, I really enjoyed his movies. They were. I don't know if it was just the right. Like I was a little bit too young for Tobey Maguire. Mm-hmm. And I think I was, I'm similar in age to Andrew Garfield. 
So like when those were coming out, yeah, he, he's playing in high school, but they were more my contemporary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I felt like he just brought some, he just, he conveys the feeling of his character's emotions in mm -hmm. such a way that is so sincere that you feel it, but not in a forced drawn up kind of way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he did a really great job. Shh. On this one, my one of my other favorite lines was, "Are you going to go into battle dressed like a cool youth <laughs> right? pastor?" I love that. Yeah, it's <laughs> like that yeah. might be the title of this episode. Are yeah. you going to go into battle dressed like a cool youth pastor? That would be the perfect um, title. Yeah, <laughs> cool youth pastor um, is a great line. The cool youth pastor, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, so I yeah definitely love Andrew Garfield. He's so funny, so good. Do we have a favorite villain? They've always cast such remarkable actors in the roles of villains. They were so strong. I was Very struck good. with that when they're all like together. Yeah. yeah, and I yeah, I'm gonna say probably Willem Dafoe is he didn't have oh. as much time in this one probably, but I feel like the disservice they did to him in the first Spider-Man movie was they put a mask on him because his real face is much yeah. more scary than that goblin. Oh my mask goodness, that he has. yes. Oh my goodness. And, and in this his, one Okay. Yeah, go ahead. He did the moment when Peter is punching him and he is staring him in the face back, smiling yeah. while he's getting punched. I was like, oh, it's like chilling. It yeah. was like it was so creepy. He, yeah, he's definitely scary. But, for sure. And they're all they're all so good actors. Alfred, Mer Alfred Molina is great. But there's something about Willem mm -hmm. Dafoe when he takes on a character and you could see him oh. be like actually playing two different parts in in just uh, yeah. the same his posture it, is different in the same scene it's like he's those yeah. two different mm -hmm. characters and you go from feeling very empathetic for him to uh, like mm -hmm. all of a sudden oh man this is like evil personified in in the room and then he's mm -hmm. back and forth with that so i don't know that green goblin comics wise is my favorite villain or even in all the movies but i think in this one just from just a powerhouse actor yeah. he's probably my yeah. favorite one in this film i think yeah so he probably yeah i don't know if i can pick one honestly i did like their choice to decide to let jamie fox to be cool in this one yeah he was like the nerdy guy and he did a good job like yeah. it was you were like embarrassed for him in the amazing spider-man you were like you felt bad for him in this one. They're like, oh, but what if he's in a different universe? And yeah. like this universe, he gets the energy and he's cool. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, who doesn't love watching Jamie Foxx get to be Jamie Foxx and be cool? Yeah. So it was, that was fun. Yeah, and he, but yeah, and they were also good. He, he had a pretty good line at the end too. And he's talking to him and he says, I always thought you were black. <laughs> he said, because yeah. you're always there for the little guy and you're there for oppressed yeah. people. And then they have that conversation, which I think is a great nod to the Miles Morales Spider-Man. He says, yeah. somewhere out yes, there, there's got to yeah. be a black Spider-Man. <laughs> and that yeah. is also one yeah. of my, that was great. one of my favorite iterations. And that's, when you talk about Spider-Man movies, the, that, actually animated movie is maybe my favorite spider-man movie of all of very good yeah it's so good even though it's not necessarily peter parker centered but yeah, yeah. i don't know yeah I, so i'm looking forward to the other one that's coming out this summer too yeah yeah no i haven't watched that one in a while i definitely need to rewatch it but i just remember really enjoying that it was such a different kind of story and i love movies where i go in and i have no idea what to expect yeah and let me, if you don't mind let me ask you something too because with your background in in psychology and just the counseling aspect i wonder if you had thought of the movie in this way um are you, i'm sure you're familiar with in Jungian psychology when we talk about the shadow self and mm -hmm. 
we just for listeners that may not be familiar, and at least my understanding of it is because we talk about it a lot in CPE. But the shadow self is a term used in Jungian psychology to describe the unconscious aspects of a person's personality that are typically repressed or denied. And we had talked about before how this movie makes you look into those shadow places that you want to deny and that you don't want to enter into. And and yet the whole idea of the shadow self is that if you can embrace it, it's either going to make you come out different and changed and you'll probably change the whole world for the better. Or if you come out of it, you might turn into the worst supervillain the world's ever seen. So yeah. there's this idea going on in this film too about people that that go into that shadow place and you have the ones who come out with the hero's journey like spider-man does and these three mm -hmm. spider-men who are trying to help tom holland spider-man come out of it not not staying in that dark place to, but to come out of it into yeah. the reality of oh. on the hopeful side of things and then you have these mm -hmm. villains that went the other direction when they embrace mm -hmm. that that shadowy mm -hmm. side and i almost feel like the movie itself is maybe even in game and infinity war and all that stuff they almost are like challenging us as a society to enter into those shadow places the which i think is very good but it's very scary because some people come out of that mm -hmm. shadow and it's going to change you for the good or for the bad oh yeah you're going to be changed yeah. one way or the other Un yeah. unfortunately I think a lot of people come out for the worse and we see people that are maybe not super villains, but they've embraced that yeah, evil side of yeah, them. Yeah, that like that bitterness or that anger. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, yeah, I think that idea of what we let have the last word feels important in that struggle. And I think definitely having support as you're walking through that or going to those darker mm -hmm. places makes a huge difference. Or even allowing yourself support because sometimes we choose not to ask for it or allow it in. And I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, it's definitely it's like a resiliency question, right? Uh -huh. Can we can we hold this heaviness and still believe or hope? Can you look and hold on to enough of God's goodness yeah. to choose grace and hope? And I think that's we I life like you said suffering is not avoidable so you're gonna have to face it at some point i think it's it's a matter of do we choose to run and let it catch us on its terms mm -hmm. or do we turn around and say all right today's the day let's go yeah. and it's scary and that's hard but i think there's when we make those more deliberate decisions to engage with things we have a better chance of deciding the outcome for ourselves and how we choose to carry those things yeah. it's it's messy work, but yeah. it's important work. He, in the beginning, he wants to let go of things. And that's how everything gets messed up in the first place. Doctor Strange is casting this spell to make everybody forget. But then he goes, oh, no, but I want to hang on to this. And this person needs to remember, well, that, this needs to hang on here. And I need to let go. I can't let go of this. And it just keeps messing up <laughs> the spell. He's not willing to let go of everything, to just be who he is without all these other people knowing in the midst of it, which is understandable. You need those family connections. At the end of the film, he absolutely realizes if he doesn't make this very self-sacrificial mm -hmm. choice mm -hmm. that's going to cause him to firmly stand on who he is and be completely self-differentiated, mm -hmm. then everything's going to fall apart. Like the whole universe is going to crash. Yeah. So it's only at the yeah. end of the film that kind of he has entered into that shadow self. He's entered into the really dark, mm -hmm. hard places and he yeah. has decided to embrace it. 
and say, okay, yeah. this is the only yeah. way forward is for me. I can stay here and this, what I want and be selfish and hang on to it yeah. and make everybody around me suffer because of it. Or I can make mm-hmm. the really hard mm-hmm. choice. And so he enters into that really hard place of everybody's going to forget mm-hmm. about him now. He has to stand on his own yeah. and be yeah. just who he is in the midst of all that. Yeah. And he can't depend on what everybody else's reaction to it is going to be mm-hmm. if they're willing mm-hmm. to walk away. And I love how at the end, even in that regard, he has a moment where he's going to tell MJ, who, by the way, MJ, she even becomes more hopeful at the end. <laughs> she's not so mm-hmm. much about disappointment mm-hmm. anymore. She's about mm-hmm. hopefulness for the future. And Peter Parker is about to, to open his mouth and tell her this is everything that's happened. Mm-hmm. But he has decided that he's going to let it unfold the way it needs to rather than try to force something and try to manipulate another person mm-hmm. to do that. So there's just, yeah, th- this movie is so complex. Um, humans are complex mm-hmm. and there's all these other layers that maybe we thought of, maybe we didn't think of all of them. And I just, yeah, no, it's definitely, there's even the thing of Dr. Strange says, if you help them rather than just send them back right now, you can either basically help the villains or save everyone. It's this dichotomy and we've got that like trolley problem. And like, do you save this many people for the sake of this many people? And, but then there's that truth that we have of this value of life. These are still people. And we don't know that I couldn't like, we know if I send them back right now, they'll die. Like I know that, but I don't know necessarily the outcome. And he kind of bets on hope bets on maybe it doesn't have to be this or that like maybe it can be different but i know that i need to choose i need to choose kindness and help and just yeah i also think the cool thing is about spider-man as a character is he's so smart it wouldn't work if he wasn't also super smart yeah he's a genius yes he got these powers but he's like this crazy genius Mm -hmm. and honestly most of what saves the day this movie is his crazy genius ability to like construct all these solutions Mm -hmm. yeah he had to be able to swing around and get them where they needed to go but i think that's super cool too that he's like he he is just like stay in school kids because you can be smart (laughs) like me you maybe can't stick to the walls but you could maybe get into a good school and do some really cool stuff yeah yeah no this is a really good complex story for sure can can i say one more thing too that i think maybe gets overlooked but it it really meant a lot to me and maybe it's just because i'm a 45 year old man now i'm closer to toby's age than i am the other actors at this point but at the end of the film when tom holland he's the young impetuous one he's ready for revenge you killed my aunt may i'm gonna Mm -hmm. kill you back and there literally is that part where spider-man's fighting against himself at the end because toby steps in the older the wiser, the more, the one who understands yeah. the consequences of actions. He he yeah. he literally yeah. knows what it's like to kill the Green Goblin, and he knows that yeah. it didn't fix anything. And so mm-hmm. he steps in to try to help the younger Spider-Man enter into this more mm-hmm. peaceful route, knowing it's still going to cost him. He's standing right, there, and yeah. I'm expecting the whole time, whenever Toby steps in front of him, Green Goblin's going to stab him. Yeah, <laughs> and yet yeah. he still steps between him. And, and so I, I mm-hmm. love that we have these three iterations of Spider-Man and they're all like a very young one, kind of one in the middle. And then the one that's middle age aspect where hopefully yeah, there's more wisdom yeah. involved along the way. Yeah. But I just think of the different ways that like, wow, 
you're literally getting to see this metaphor play out of, of a hero fighting his own inner self like, at different yeah. stages. And I love that wisdom that also says maybe maybe the best thing is not to kill our enemies, but maybe it is to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute yeah. them. I know the, yeah. the movie's not explicit about that, but that is what it is in acting before our eyes. Right. That, yes. Like it doesn't mean we... It doesn't mean we don't do all we can to stop them from, from doing the evil, but why do we always jump to the conclusion that the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is to just kill him? Yep. Like, yeah, our, like have a bigger, faster gun. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that's not... Can we not be more creative and think about what could actually lead mm -hmm. to the redemption of this part? And... Yeah, let's look at what's creating villains. Yeah. Let's look at, let's also talk about what is creating the perpetuators of this yeah. and can we fix some of those systems too mm -hmm. because angry violent men were scared little boys yeah let's help those let's fix our schooling system mm -hmm. or our, the way we allow men and boys to show up in the world it's that whoever the other person is they're not just this we tend to one-dimensionalize them mm -hmm. they're bad and they're this thing but they're a complex person that something led to this yeah what led to this? Can we insert something else into that equation that maybe yields a different outcome? Yeah. And um, it's, yeah. And that's, I liked what you said. Of, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's literally what we talk about too. When we start looking at in the psychology books that I'm reading right now is you need those, when you're a child, you need those black and white aspects. This is good. This is bad. Mm -hmm. And it's that. But a sign of maturity is actually leaving those categories behind because there are much more, there are much more areas that are in the gray when it comes to how we relate to people. Mm -hmm. But children, like at a certain age, they get, they're not going to be able to understand that yet. So they have to be in right. that black yeah. and white place. Yep. But as we mature, we can start to see that, oh, there are some reasons mm -hmm. why this bad guy is acting mm -hmm. bad right now. And maybe there are ways that if we can help him change uh, his thinking, a literal idea of repentance is literally like leaving that shadow part, like entering yeah, into it right, and then say, yeah. these are the destructive places in my life. How can I help you walk away from those instincts and walk away from those things? And you stop having that conversation of just seeing it as black and like, you're all good, you're all bad, that all of us have this yeah. capacity in ourselves. Yeah. And I, you were about to say something else, but I just, I loved what you were saying and I wanted to, to drop that in there oh, as well. Yeah. Because it's a real sign. It's It discourages me sometimes that we're not more mature in our thinking, that we can't think beyond as adults just these black yeah. and white areas. Because if we could mature a little bit in our thinking about people and how complex we are, we might actually be able to do something about the problems we face. But until we're yeah. trapped in, as long as we're trapped into these categories, good, bad, Republican, mm -hmm. Democrat, all these, if we mm -hmm. can't ever get out of yeah. those silos, there'll never yep. be any change. Us and them. That kind of, yeah. Yeah. No, I completely resonated with that as well. I remember I, it was probably three or four years after college and I posted something. I had a couple of friends that went to the Women's March in Kansas City and I tweeted something about being proud of my friends who went or whatever and someone subtweeted about me, who was someone from high school, about how I just had people just turning their back on everything they've ever believed in. And I'm like, I think it would be completely ridiculous to think that 14-year-old me had it all figured out. Mm. Let's just be real. Yeah. She didn't know a lot of things. Yeah. And to think that 
I think that way about a lot of stuff in, in terms of our beliefs about certain things or the way we choose to handle things in society. We would never say we've arrived at medical research. Let's stop trying to improve. Yeah. We would never say 1950s medicine was it or even farther back. We would never say that was it. We should stop. That was the most correct best way to do things but we do that with a lot of other things yeah. we don't think that there's any room for new knowledge or new understanding no. or that maybe past us didn't have all the parts and so i i feel like yeah being open to that gray and being open to i really believe all truth is god's truth mm. and being open to that truth weigh it test it yeah. for sure but it's it, if you really drill all the way down it's never gonna conflict with it yeah because he is truth. And I I also was resonating with what you're saying about those the different Spider-Man at different stages mm -hmm. of their life. Mm -hmm. And Matt and I, when we were watching it, he's you've got them in all these stages of grief. You've got one that's resolved it a little mm -hmm. bit, and that's Toby. And he said, and then you've got you know, Andrews that's still steeping in it, mm -hmm. and he's like he's still in the pain of it a little yeah. bit, and it's a little more fresh for him. And then it's all just happening right then to Tom Holland's character mm. and them trying to, with where they are in their journey, help him along. And I also think, too, it's this idea of we need community and vulnerability in that community to to help us not make those choices or to help us work through those things. And I think his character getting the community of other Spider-Men yeah. somehow, which is an odd, it's an odd community, yeah. but Trinity. the one he needed <laughs> is the weird Trinity. But, uh, but yeah, we're again to that point though, we are built to be in relationship. The very nature is relationship. And so mm -hmm. to be open to experiencing and thinking about those things, but also to know we need other people in those thoughts and yeah journeys i guess i yeah and i just i want to just add one thing i know we're probably getting to the end of our conversation here but when you just said that about needing people if you remember in the film too whenever we first are introduced to the other spider-man when they're coming into i guess it's ned's house where where they're coming it through is the portals. Ned's house. yeah <laughs> and i think it's toby that he says it and i i heard it a little different this time when he says i just had this feeling that your friend needed me like he, when he, we mm, said it, they're ta mm -hmm. he's talking about the Tom Holland Spider-Man, but he's saying, yeah. that's not your friend when he sees the other guy. But, they, right, but there was yeah. that real poignant moment. There was something about Toby and the way he played it in this movie. It was so much, it was mm -hmm. a lot, it was just a lot more mature. It was a 40-something man yeah. looking at yeah. this character. And I love the idea that he, in a sense, that's what we do as human beings. And it's that divine spark that God puts in each of us. We can sometimes tell when that other person is in need of us in some ways and there's something that draws us to them in, in in our grief and our hurt and i just really love that it was completely appropriate that he said that andrew said to him you're gonna go into battle dressed like a cool youth pastor because in some ways he was being the he, cool youth pastor kind of, being, of, the, of the moment yeah may, maybe yeah, a little mature than funny. most pastors youth pastors that i've known over the years but he definitely that's fair that's yeah very fair <laughs> including myself when i was one but oh my gosh but yeah that, that was really That's a beautiful funny. moment now that i think about it where he just says just very calmly in the way that he says it it was just like i just had a feeling that he needs me i just need to be there yeah. for him and and then they did they just again full circle back to that scene on the rooftop 
where the all of them are together and they're just commiserating in their grief and their sadness and, and yeah. holding each other in, in in the midst of that grief. It's powerful. And I think we're it is. We're in need of it more than we realize. It's a shame that it takes a Spider-Man movie for us to connect on those levels sometimes because we just need them as yeah. human beings. But yeah. I wonder if a lot of people had no idea of the emotional roller coaster they were going to be thrown into when they went to that film. Oh my gosh. So, now, I wasn't ready yeah. for it. I definitely was not. But like you said, it did resonate. Mm -hmm. I think too, the timing of when it came out was huge. Um, I, one other just final uh, of my notes of moments I wanted to talk about mm -hmm. before we maybe wrap things up was, I don't remember what he says. I think, was he say that, does Andrew Garfield's character, he says something negative about himself. Was it like, I'm lame or something? Yeah. yeah. And they just, and then, no, and you then are not like, lame. to again, maybe being the cool youth pastor, I think it's Toby's character. Mm -hmm. He's, but I want to come back to that. Yeah. And they really, it's funny in the moment, but I was like, I am that friend. I, because <laughs> again, I have the counseling background. I'm like, actually, even the jokes you're making are telling me about your self-talk mm -hmm. and we need to talk about that because it's not good for you and mm -hmm. you are better than that and you deserve to talk to yourself better than that. And it was a funny moment because they're Spider-Man mm -hmm. they're like doing that. Yeah. But like, it does matter. That's something too that I think, but we, but it is, again, that's a messy thought to have. You have to unpack why am I talking to myself mm -hmm. that way? And that's a little bit more part of that shadow. Like, why do I feel that way? Why do I think that way? And we don't want to look at it. It's just easier to just say, oh, I was just kidding yeah. kind of thing. Mm. But PSA, self-talk matters, even if you think you're being funny. Yep. So that was one thing I just wanted to throw out there. It's but true. Yeah. This is a very, yeah, emotionally rich movie. This has been such a fun conversation. Is there anything that we didn't get to? I know we didn't really march through the movie chronologically, <laughs> but I feel like thematically we yeah. weaved through a lot of things in a fun way anything you want to touch on before we wrap up i we could probably just go on forever about different things because it's probably could because i think the thing that makes a good film is similar to the thing that makes a good song or a good book you, mm -hmm. you have you have just a lot of universal themes that are going to be true no matter who you yeah. are and so mm -hmm. i think they were very wise to put that put the writing first in this movie i felt like Some, yes. sometimes yes sometimes it all just turns into there's just going to be a, a big dumb action scene at the end and that's that's how all oh the gosh, men yeah and there was to an extent but this movie it was a this movie choreographed like thoughtful one yeah, yeah this one a lot deeper than most of the superhero films do for sure so i'll give it two thumbs up for whatever that is and just the fact that nice. i feel like we haven't even we haven't even drained the full depths of we haven't gotten to the bottom of the barrel, so to speak, of what we could talk about in this yeah, movie. That's <laughs> just right, the sign of a for good sure. film. Yeah. So I'm not sure I'm not sure it if is. we did the other Spider Man movies if we would have this kind of conversation for sure. So I don't know. It definitely did feel like a very intentionally, emotionally sensitive you talked about putting the writing first. Yeah. That is like huge for me. I I like superhero movies. Some of the Captain America ones are just like words between punch yeah. scenes and it's i'm like ah, i don't know yeah. i can't get into this but there was just like everyone was complex everyone was well thought out and realistic in their humanity obviously these are crazy super villains and stuff but their humanity was believable you could like you said you could empathize with the green goblin mm -hmm. at points just that careful construction of story and the the arc of like hope and choosing not to let the bad thing make you bad. Mm. Let the bad thing make you bitter or have the last word. 
and putting other people before yourself, I think are really strong themes in this. And I think, I hope there's another movie because I hope Tom Holland's character doesn't just have to live out the rest of his days in obscurity for all we know. But, but yeah, no, this was great. And like you said, there's so much more we could have, we could have dissected this until we're blue in the face, but, but yeah, no, this was such a great conversation. I super appreciate you being willing to have this conversation with me. Like you're, you brought it, like you totally brought it. And this was so fun. I love it when someone else is willing to like, get down in the weeds, get into that dark stuff with me Mm -hmm. because I think it's important. And we talked a little bit about my heart for this show Mm -hmm. is just that people can learn something and maybe think a different thought and maybe start to learn how to see some more of these truths that we can learn from and learn how to love and treat people better, Mm -hmm. even just from watching a Spider-Man movie. So I appreciate you having that conversation with me. And hopefully we'll we won't wait like another ten years to talk <laughs> to each other. Yeah, let's um, not be there. Thanks again for joining me today, guys. I hope you'll find some time uh, to think about what we talked about today. There was a lot of good stuff in today's episode, um, and remember that no one is ever really lost. Um, and maybe think about the ways in which you have not been, as one of my favorite podcasts puts it, loving your enemies, your opposites, and your irritants. Um, or maybe today's episode reminded you of some grief or shadow places in your life that you've not spent time processing. Or maybe you have, but you haven't asked for the support you need to process those wounds well. Um, I hope this will be the encouragement for you to take those steps you need to get the support and do the work that you need to do to live a whole life. As always, thanks so much for joining me. I hope you'll join us again next time. Uh, If you do like the show, it would be super awesome if you wouldn't mind leaving a review or even just a rating. That would be fantastic. Um, But like I said, until next time.